The football season is reaching its conclusion, and Bet365 are offering a wide range of markets, including first, last, or anytime goal scorers. With over 45 million members, it's the world's favourite online betting company. And with the Bet365 Bet Builder, you can combine match results, players to score, number of goals, and more to create your own personalised bet. And if you can't watch all the games live, with Bet365's Match Live feature, you can follow every moment through live graphics and text. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and the Apple App Store. Over 18s only, and please gamble responsibly. Hello listener, I'm Carl Anker, and welcome back to Talk of the Devils, the Manchester United podcast from The Athletic. The Premier League may have finished, but Manchester United news certainly has not. In the last seven days, we've had Sancho updates, Sanchez updates, as well as a phenomenal Vogue front cover with Dr. Marcus Rashford, to give him his full title. Also, Manchester United have a Europa League game against Lask on Wednesday in a brand new home kit as well. There's a lot to talk about, so to help me figure it all out, I'm joined by the Athletics Manchester United writer, Mr. Laurie Whittle. Hi Laurie, how are you doing? Carl, I'm great. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm enjoying Rashford's uh, fantastic menswear on the front cover of Vogue. It's a great front Very cover. Very dapper, isn't he? It's just a lovely boy. Also with me is United We Stand editor and contributing writer to the Athletic, Mr. Andy Mitten. Hi Andy, how are you doing? Hi Carl, nice to join you mate. Can I get your thoughts on the new United home kit? Yeah, you can. When I was 17, I would be incredibly excited that a new kit was coming out and I'd go to the souvenir shop, shop as it was then, before the mega store, and I would try and buy the kit on the first day. Um, I don't tend to buy the kits now because I'm 46 years old, but my children hmm. buy them and like <laughs> them. And uh, I, I've not really got a strong opinion either way. I remember in the start of the 90s, it was a big news story, like BBC, um, Evening News and, and ITN News, Manchester United have released yet another kit. And I'd get I'd get calls saying, you must be outraged about this. And I'd say, well, no, nobody's forcing you to buy them. And that was when the team were changing the home kit every two years, and now it's every year. And the same arguments kept coming back, and the journalists would say to me, you know, but fans must be disgusted because they're having to buy these kits. And when I spoke to fans, when I spoke to parents, they said, but my son or daughter, they wear the kit every day. We actually get good value out of it. So that that's my take on it. Um, it's red. I have my favourite kits, probably hawking back to to my youth, like a, a, a lot of fans, but I don't really have a strong opinion on it either way. It brings £75 million in from Adidas each year. And if that means United can go for top, top players, then that's not a bad thing. There you have it, the new Manchester United kit. It's red. I wasn't allowed to wear a Manchester United kit until I was 17 because there's a devil on the badge and my mum was quite religious. Yeah, <laughs> that's brilliant. Anyway, listener, you can read all of Andy and Laurie's great articles with stronger opinions on other things involving Manchester United for free for 30 days by simply going to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to sign up and try us out. You don't have to pay a penny. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to try some of the best sports rain you'll ever find. We've got a fantastic read from The Athletic United States by one of our writers, Pablo Mar, about George Best's time playing in the United States, which, I mean... Some of the quotes in there, some fantastic stories. But to bring up to the present day at Manchester United, it's the story of uh, two men with sort of similar surnames, Jadon Sancho and Alexis Sanchez. I'm going to talk to you, Laurie, first here. Uh, it looks like Alexis Sanchez has departed Manchester United. Can you tell me a little bit more here? I checked in with United last night. It's not quite... Um, they're still saying discussions ongoing. So, I mean, it does seem like um, 
a resolution will be found, um, which would be, I think, good news for Man United getting a huge amount of wages off off the wage bill. It's something like fifty eight million pounds, I think, um, for the rest of his contract at United. So that just that saving for a player that just is not a part of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's plans would be would be huge. Inter are keen to get the deal sorted because they've registered him for the Europa League um, knockout phase. United are saying that they'll only uh, sanction that if it's going to be a permanent move or a long-term loan, um, which I think would basically cover the rest of his couple of years contract. So um, it's not a case that they'll just get a short extension and, and that's how he'll be able to play in the Europa League. It will be, you know, if, if a deal isn't absolutely, um, you know, uh, dotted I's and cross T's by the point of the Europa League resuming, then United won't um, sanction him playing in that tournament. So um, that's why I think there's a bit of pressure from Inter's side that they want to get it done because, you know, Antonio Conte, who has had some friction with his um, board over public backing, um, he wants it done because he wants a, a, the strongest squad he can have to, to go and get what he thinks is a good piece of silverware. So that's why they're trying to push for that to, to happen. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'll just hit pause a little bit on saying that he's definitely. <laughs> Definitely, definitely departed. Um, I'm, I'm sort of <laughs> striking cautionary uh, note here, but it does seem like it's it's going to happen. Andy, I want to get your thoughts here on this. Alexis Sanchez signed. It was a bit of a coup when he came in January 2018, but large wages and just wasn't the player we saw at Arsenal and at Barcelona. What do you think happened? I was actually at Barcelona on the day he signed in August 11. United wanted him that year as well. So did City. But United were his second choice behind Barca and City were his third choice. I think the 2011 Sanchez would have, would have been a big success at United under Alex Ferguson at a stable club. I welcomed him coming in January 18. I thought he was a world-class player. I could see how it stacked up. I thought he did really well in his first game at, at Yeovil away, <laughs> who I think were 91st <laughs> in the league. And maybe that wasn't the best place to, to judge him, but... Aladino, who's, who's a, a coach for a championship team, he said, this guy's like Veron. He's so much better than every, every other player, and that was mid-game. And there were parallels with Veron because Veron didn't really work out at United, although he had a lot more better games than Alexis Sanchez had. Uh, the, the wages were became a burden. Mm. He tried on the pitch. Off it, nah. I can remember speaking to the club in 2018 on the pre-season tour, and the club were really keen for me to do an interview with him. And I was really keen to do it. Um, and I can speak Spanish. So that, that was where the idea came from. And it's just like, nah, nothing, nothing, nothing. And I thought, you're really not helping yourself here, lad. And then I knew fans who met him in Miami on a meet and greet. And these were lads who traveled over from England. And the feedback I was getting was like, yeah, the players were all right. But Sanchez, yeah, he's, he's a bit of a knob, isn't he? And you sort of build up pictures as as a, as, a, as a journalist as to what someone's personality is like. And I just kept getting crosses on, on Sanchez. He would always have been judged on what he did on the pitch. 2018 was a, a really bad year for United. It's a year Mourinho left. It was a year Sanchez joined. And he, he got caught up in that a little bit and his confidence went. Um, we did a story in United We Stand about how he'd asked... Um, for the fridge to be moved in the dressing room because it opened onto his legs and, and he was cold. And United changed the direction which the doors opened on the fridge. And you sort of think, this is not a guy who's loving life and mm. this wouldn't have been accepted in past United's dressing room. It was a mistake. It was, it was greeted with enthusiasm. It didn't work out. I did think in 18, because that was the first summer where he'd not played football for 
nine years that he could come back fresh, that he could be even a central striker who was versatile. Uh, I had there were no reports of him, you know, going out drinking or partying or anything like that, but it just didn't work out. And you could just see him trying to do things and it just wouldn't come off for him. But those wages were horrendous. And if United can get those wages off the books, which looks extremely probable, then they've almost done as well as signing him in the first place because he was earning way too much. And his wages became an issue for other players as well. They didn't like it because he wasn't contributing. He wasn't the third best player. He wasn't the fifth. He wasn't the tenth. He wasn't Mm -hmm. even the 15th best player there. So another one where you can mark down as a bad pre-Solskjaer signing for United. Well, should we talk about a possible good current Solskjaer signing? Um, That's right, listener. It's time for our Jaden Sancho section. Laurie, what have you got for me? It's your favourite part of the show, isn't it, Carl? We're going to do this for 10 weeks, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's it. That's why people are getting excited because of of the stuff yesterday in in sort of feeling like it was was near the end game. Um, Whereas, I don't know, I've always been of the opinion that this is going to be perhaps a more drawn out process than than that. You know, Dortmund have obviously got this August 10th deadline that they want to stick to. United are seeing that as a bit of an artificial barrier. And you listen, if, if they end up... Um, going further than that to, to to sort of get the uh, deal over the line, then then so be it. Dortmund will will you know happily go with that. Um, yeah, I mean clearly United are in discussions with with um, Dortmund or at least through intermediaries over a fee. The aspect of instalments has been discussed, and it looks that's that's the way it's going to go, which is good news for United because you know they there was a word in the industry that they were sort of looking at a 50 million net spend for, for this summer, which is something I've reported on, so I think, July the 8th. And a way of doing that would be to get the Jane Sancho fee agreed in instalments. So it's not all up front. It seems to me that the information from, from Germany's end is that you know, a deal is closer than perhaps it is from United's perspective, just because I think they do want something to happen again, in, like into sort of this week by August the 10th, you know, um, ideally so that they can plan, they can get a, a replacement in, they can start their pre-season properly. Um, United are a little bit more relaxed, I think. It's it's not quite, from my understanding, it's not quite in, this, in the stages where it's, it's, you know, imminent or anything like that, but it's very much advanced and Everybody is talking in in quite positive terms about it, which is um, you know which is reassuring. Really, we'll see how it develops. I don't I don't know. Th- this week it would be um, you know extremely positive. I don't know if it's going to be as quick as that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being a bit too um, reserved in that judgment. But it's certainly you know talks are ongoing. It feels positive from all sides. It's something that I think will happen. Um, the player obviously wants to come to Manchester United and I think Champions League football has really boosted United not only in being a team to aspire to play for, you know, it's going to be in Europe's elite competition, but also the finances of, of the deal just make it a mm. bit more, give a bit more flexibility for United in, in how they structure it. So I think that's the latest, you know, obviously by the time <laughs> this podcast come out, we, we, you know, I could have egg on my face, but that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with for the time being. Further to what Laurie said, and I've been speaking to people who know a lot more about the situation uh, than I do. Uh, a lot of the noise is coming out of Germany, and someone who's dealt a lot with with Dortmund um, told me that it's not an ideal situation for them because they would want an auction situation, but United are the only suitor for this summer. And that person said it's whether Dortmund have, have quote got the balls to run his contract down. Uh, to the final year 
and they've got to work out whether they're going to get more money this year or do they wait a year and hope that football's financial environment changes and that they will have more than one suitor, which is how it seems to be at the moment. Uh, like Laurie said, I'm told he wants to come back to England. I think he'd be a great signing for Manchester United. His statistics are brilliant. Although, as I said, I've watched him three times and he's been pretty average. <laughs> and I'm not going to be put off by previous signings from Dortmund. Shinji Kagawa excited me hugely. It seemed too good to be true, and it was. And then Henrik Mkhitaryan, he sh- I was really encouraged when he signed, and again, just didn't work out. Not not for him at Old Trafford, or for at Arsenal. And I was told Dortmund want a headline figure here. So if they can say, and Sporting Lisbon did this, if they can say to their fans, "We got a hundred million," and it doesn't really matter how that hundred million comes about if it's made up um, in instalments, because once the news is broken. Uh, people tend to forget about the intricacies of, mm-hmm. of, of a deal. So a lot of the noise is coming from Germany. Uh, Dortmund have set their, their deadline. And, and this is Dortmund in 2020, not Dortmund in 2005 when they nearly went under. Mm-hmm. They, they do have money. They've sold incredibly well in recent years. They don't n- need to sell to Bayern Munich anymore. And they just want some certainty. Doesn't everybody? Unfortunately, negotiation isn't isn't that straight straightforward. Um, it's moving in the right direction, but as we know with football transfers, they cannot go through for for many many reasons. I do know that United do have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, but even then, they're not just going to sail through. Um, and United have felt that it's going to be difficult to get deals done, and they don't like some of the. Rumours coming around where players are linked to the club with no foundation whatsoever. So Jimenez last week from Wolves, for example. And then you have um, fans going, I think he'd fit in, he'd be good, he'd be good. And I'm disappointed if we don't sign him. And it's it's based on nothing. It's based on absolutely nothing. Um, Sancho is based on something. As I understand it, he wants to, to come and United wants him and it's all down to money. Just on Jimenez as well, I'm sure Andy's you know, similar information to me. When I checked that one out, the word that I got back was bollocks. So sorry for anyone offended by that, but that is the, the kind of uh, mode of, of um, response to the, the Jimenez one. Not, not to say that he isn't a player that United have looked at and, and admire, but the actual thought of him coming to United this summer for the amount of money that he'd cost, given all the reports and how strong they were, that's the kind of where the frustration comes from with United, that they... they occasionally are used as a, a vehicle for, for getting other moves sorted. That was from Laurie speaking to him and his wife as well, who said that <laughs> Wolverhampton is our New York. We've got no inclination whatsoever to move to Manchester. So there you go. Hi there, I'm David Ornstein, and I've launched a brand new show on YouTube, Ask Ornstein, where I answer questions from our athletic subscribers. To get your question answered, simply leave a comment at the bottom of my column every Monday, and I'll choose my favourites. To watch the show, head over to the TIFO Podcast YouTube channel, and a new episode will be up every Tuesday afternoon. So, let's talk about something a little bit more wholesome, like Chris Smalling, the man who got married in a white tuxedo. Yes, I'm always going to keep bringing that up. Um, Chris Wong seems to be in a little bit of limber at the moment, releasing a tweet uh, saying goodbye to the Roma fans um, after the end of his current loan deal, as we know it, saying that he's gutted he can't finish what they started this season, but he really, really enjoys the love shown to him in such a short space of time. At the time of writing 
Smalling is a, a little bit of limbo. Um, dubbed Smaldini by some fans for his impressive performances in Serie A. He might have a contract extension and stay on at Roma, or he might indeed come back to Manchester United and reclaim his place as probably, on my maths, the second best centre-back on United's books. Um, what do we think about this? Laurie, do you have any information about the future of Chris Smalling? Um, to be honest, not 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 loads. Um, I was told that it was very close, actually, to a permanent deal for Smalling going to Roma. Um, not that long ago, it seemed set up. I think Roma basically just couldn't afford what United were asking for, which varies. I think last summer it was twenty five million pounds. I think this summer twenty million pounds, something like that. It, that that's the region we're talking about, and and I don't think yeah, Roma could you know find the finances given the current situation so United's stance has been as with Sanchez uh, Roma are in the Europa League they don't want to strengthen a potential rival for, for that trophy uh, unless it's going to be a permanent move or a long-term loan so they weren't uh, interested in entertaining a short extension which I guess is why Chris Smalling has released um, you know his, his, his statement on Twitter this morning talking about a how he's leaving Roma uh, for the time being. Listen, they 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 definitely are interested in signing him. As as you said, there he's he, he's created a great cult following at the club in such a small space of time. So I think they they would be looking to to do that. I was also told that there are there is an, other interest in him. Um, other Serie A clubs have have looked at what he's done there and thought he could he could do a job for us. Um, and then on the flip side, you, you do speak to some people around United who who say that Smalling is you know quite possibly even the the best. A sort of out and out defender that United have got on the books um, in terms of his sort of tackling and, and his heading and Smalling has suffered a little bit from Gareth Southgate uh, suggesting that he couldn't play the ball out from the back uh, when he left him out of an England squad um, I think Southgate actually regrets that a little bit um, in hindsight but that kind of stuck with, with Smalling a little bit and I think people maybe don't remember that he, he did win the title with Manchester United and he's a very accomplished defender so you know if he did come back to Manchester United I, I, I don't know I wouldn't necessarily see that as a, as, a, as, a, as a negative thing I think that could actually work out maybe Solskjaer's looking elsewhere maybe you know they're looking at Axel Twanzebe hopefully he can stay clear of injury you got Eric Bailey there still, um, but it's not you know from having seven centre backs uh, last summer um, to, to now it's not a, an area that is resplendent with options. So I don't think United should be too sniffy about Smalling if he does return. Andy, you flew out to Rome earlier this season to talk to Smalling. I did once. I've got over an Al Italia strike. I, I got to see him, and I found someone who was very happy. His wife was very happy. The, the family was happy living in Rome, and. He'd had years of abuse from Manchester United fans. So next time you abuse one of the players, just remember that it does impact. And he went there and he found himself playing really well week after week. Uh, within two months, he was being named as the best defender in Syria. And he was happy living in Rome. It was a successful loan move. Many of them are not successful. And for that reason, he has lots of suitors uh, in Italy and United want what they think is a fair price for a very, very good player. Now, people say, and, and I agree with everything that Laurie said there, um, if he came back, he, he, he's he's going to feature. Chris's problem last year was he went to see Oli Gunnar, who couldn't, I'm not going to say guarantee, but he wanted to be playing 35 games a season and he felt that he'd be playing 25 games and he wanted to be playing more often. So he left and he played a lot more games. Why did he go? Why not Phil Jones? Why don't 
why not Marcos Rojo? It's because Chris Smalling was the one who was in demand. Mm. He was the one who clubs wanted to sign, and with good reason. So it's not as easy as just getting rid of the dead wood as people um, seem to think. And he's a good defender. And what, what's the best case scenario? A, United get really good money for him, and he carries on and lives happily ever after. Or B, he comes back refreshed. People see him in a slightly different way because he's proved that he's a decent player. And he, he becomes more of a central figure for United. He, he, he didn't do well in his final season. I mean, that game at Everton, he was one of many players who had an absolute shocking match and United lost lost 4-0. And there are a lot of people who would still say United need to strengthen with another central defender to play alongside um, Harry Maguire. But it's not a bad position for the club or for the player. Hey everyone, James Richardson here from the Totally Football Show. Listen, 11 months on, we're finally getting to the best bit of this football season because the Champions League and Europa League are about to restart at the sharp end. Last eight knockout tournaments await in Portugal and Germany and we'll be following both competitions with special nightly podcasts every single match day, ready for you to download first thing in the morning. So have your breakfast with Honigstein, Horncastle, Cox, Gurionov and all your other totally favourites and me as we wave goodbye to this epic footballing year in style. Our daily Totally Summer Special is available on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places. And of course, you can also listen to it ad-free on the Athletic app. Football, by the hell. Andy, you're the man who always tells me Lats might beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. So I'm going to throw this to you first. We talked about this a little bit last week. How would you like Manchester United to approach the Europa League this week? Win it, win it, win it. Play the strongest team and win it. It's European trophy. I feel that the club should have done that in the FA Cup. Trophies mean a lot to me. And it's 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 the Europa League. It's not the European Cup, but it was the UEFA Cup. It's still a significant trophy. And it will be difficult to win because there's still very, very good teams in that competition. The players will have a rest before it. They'll have a rest after it. Against Lask, okay, play a much weaker team. There's a 5-0 cushion there. Lask of... Lask were top of the league when United played there in March and they've had an absolute disaster since. They've had points deducted because COVID training rules were broken. They couldn't get a win. They dropped right down the table. I actually feel sorry for Lask because this was going to be their biggest ever game and they ended up playing it it, without the best players, without fans, got hammered at home. And I don't often have sympathy for opponents, but I I do with Lask because... What they achieved this year, A, by getting into Europe and winning all their home games against good teams, including Sporting Lisbon, which Bruno Fernandes played for, they did really, really well. So it's going to be a sorry end for their European campaign. But for United, uh, I think it's a good chance to play some of the younger players, a stronger team than played against uh, Astana away, win the game and then go to Cologne on Monday and win the three games and win the competition. If United win the Europa League this year and finish third, I think Solskjaer can turn around and say this has been a successful season. On the Europa League, we've got a question from James Dean here that basically says, uh, should United send the kids to the Europa tournament and then rest up the first team for the long league campaign ahead? Well, 
No, I think I agree with Andy um, on this one. Really, I think it's a competition that United should be looking to win because you can't, you know, look down your nose at um, a European um, trophy. Um, I, I, do, I do think that you know Lask will see a few um, of the younger players given a given a game, but then again, certainly not anywhere near the extent of Astana because um, not only does Solskjaer want to get a bit of momentum, I think, into the side, uh, make sure it's you know it's a it's a decent win in the home leg as well. Um, but also because the a lot of younger players haven't been training with the first team just because of the COVID regulations. So I think it's only Ethan Laird, Ted and Mengi and James Garner as the kind of guys that you'd describe as um, the, the youth players that have been playing with training with the first team. So they, they could well feature, and I'd be you know I, I'd be hopeful that they they do. Um, but further than that, I think you know it'll be the first team squad. It'll be United's best team, pretty much. It's it's three matches over eleven days, so you shouldn't really think it's too much of a of a hardship. And then I think United will get you know extra time, as will Wolves and Man City. You know all the teams that are in Europe um, f- before the, the their, they start their Premier League campaign. So there's an even gap for all the teams from from their last games of the previous season to. to next season so um, I think that should give you know adequate compensation and Solskjaer's already spoken about having to pick uh, periods of next season uh, where he can give players individual holidays you know just a bit of time to rest you know I like Ferguson did back in the day um, he'd sort of pick moments wouldn't he um, to, to give mm. players you know a little break or you know a week or two um, away so they could recharge the batteries I think Solskjaer's looking at this unusual situation thinking this could be a time to, to do it again so you know with the Europa League in front of them it's, it's certainly something that they're, they're looking to win you know and well as I said we'll, we'll, we'll get a, a little bit of the, the kids I think but but not too much Thanks to our good pals at Beer52.com, you have the opportunity to sip eight delicious painstakingly sourced craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash man you and pay the postage of $4.95. And as if that wasn't enough, as a listener of the Athletics podcast, you'll get two extra free beers. So that's 10 free beers. Beer 52 are beer pioneers. They travel the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the very best craft breweries. They are now the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, Beer 52 deliver a case with a different theme. Themes have included Germany, Korea, Belgium, South Korea, California, New Zealand and many more. As an independent UK company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene. The beauty of Beer 52 is that you can leave at any time. The power is in your hands. Your case will also include the award-winning craft beer magazine Ferment and a beery snack is thrown in too. Just go to beer52.com forward slash manu to get your free case. And don't forget right now, Talk With The Devils listeners get two free extra beers. This week marks the one-year anniversary of The Athletic in the United Kingdom. And to mark the occasion, our writers have selected their favourite article in the past 365 days, which will be free to read for the next seven days. Um, Laurie, you decide to go with your superb read on the Glazers and their ownership of Manchester United. Yeah, a labour of love. I mean, it's ten thousand words, so I'm, I'm giving uh, you know re- potential readers real value for money in their in their free um, free free selection. Yeah, you know, r- rather than a one thousand word piece that you could you know read in a couple of couple of minutes, maybe this this is going to take you a, a fair amount of time to to get through. Hopefully, people read it all the way to the end. Um, it, it has sort of fresh stuff in it all the way to the to the very last word. Uh, we, we did try and condense it as much as we could, but I sort of see it as a little a little novella, maybe. But obviously 
everything in there is factual um it, it's not fiction um yeah it took uh, a long time to put together we had a five of us really that were, were were working on it um i found out loads of stuff that i didn't really know about um andy helped me out hugely as well um and and he you know no he was right at the heart of all all the all that happened when the glazers took charge and it, it kind of it still has relevance today because it talks about the current structure at united and how much joel glazer is involved in um, deals so that sort of feeds into the Jaden sancho aspect really where you know joel will want to know the intricacies of a of a, of a deal the player involved the data behind that player um, if they're going to spend a large amount of money on him and and that is you know ultimately he will decide what is uh you know a, the, the adequate price um you know or the kind of the, the ballpark figure for, for what they could be spending on this on this um player so and then you know edward would and matt judge go away and negotiate it so but that's why sometimes united have been criticized <laughs> for being too slow i've criticized them certainly for being too slow with homer Maguire and bruno fernandez um and you know um and that's what happens you know that it goes up the food chain and, and goes back down so the glazers are still very much uh, a relevant uh, issue in, in modern day manchester united so that's why i picked that piece it'd be available free ahead of the payroll and I heartily recommend I also heartily recommend a new series we've got on the Athletic called uh, Premier League 60 so the next two months more or less the Athletic is charting the top 60 players in Premier League history uh, it includes several Manchester United players I helped select the top 20 Andy you wrote something about Teddy Sheringham Teddy is um, history will remember Teddy very very well at United but it's quite interesting because didn't he didn't have a good first season and I fell out with him pretty spectacularly because of that, because he objected to what I thought was a very fair assessment I gave of him on television, where I was asked, are United fans happy with him? The man who's replaced Eric Cantona and they weren't at the time, but he got better and he scored the goal, obviously, which led to the equaliser in Barcelona and I think that was only his fifth or sixth goal of that season. And then he had an incredible 2000-2001 season where he won all the individual Player of the Year awards and he scored more goals in that season than his three previous seasons uh, combined. And then he left on a free job well done, everything was great. But I just talk about um, what it's like to fall out with a player because I think fans often throw strong opinions forward. Well, I can do that as well, but I've got to see these people face to face. And um, Teddy really was not happy at all. And uh, gradually we we managed to get things okay again. And then we did several interviews and some of his amazing quotes are in there uh, with that piece. And I'm going to be working on other Manchester United players as part of the feature as well. It's in-depth stuff. There's a lot of original stuff in there and... I think they're, they're great to read. And I think United's preeminence in the Premier League era shows, and that's why there's lots of players. I told one of them where he was in the, the <laughs> positioning, and he said, yeah, 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 yeah. where's so-and-so? <laughs> so it shows that they're paying attention. Yeah, and what about him? And, uh, Am I above him? I said, yeah, you're pretending not to be interested, but you're really, really interested, aren't you? So yeah, it's good, and you can see by the readback it's getting from from uh, readers that people are enjoying the series, which is a good thing. I think it's fantastic. Uh, I I will reveal, listener, that I was on a Zoom call that was meant to last half an hour as we selected the top twenty that went on for ninety minutes. Such was the heated argument about a certain Manchester United player in relation 
to some of his rivals. I'm not going to tell you who. You can find all of these reads and more on The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash manunitedpod to read for free for the next 30 days. That's theathletic.com slash manunitedpod. There's also a fantastic read coming up this week from Laurie on Mason Greenwood. Uh, Laurie, what can you tell me about the XG breaking mastermind? <laughs> I hope it's fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's basically a, a piece that just reflects on um, the matches that have uh, marked him out as being a bit special. So uh, I spoke to quite a few people um, that have watched him and, and, and sort of coached him or uh, been around him um, from his, his days, you know, as a as a young boy, really, you know, 11, 12, 13, up, up until sort of as recently as, as this season, last season. So um, hopefully it provides a little bit of fresh insight and, and just a, a kind of an attempt to, to to round out the character that is Greenwood. I mean, I know I've, done, I've written quite a lot about him <laughs> already um, and he's only 18, but he seems seems um you know real special talent so this is kind of a piece that just hopefully shows a little bit more about how he got to where he is thank you as ever to all of you on social media who get in your questions every single week uh, one's from Tay Savani that asks are Manchester United in for essential midfielder I know other positions are a priority but we don't have a top class holding midfielder uh, and another one from Felix McDonald who asks uh, do we see any youth prospects forcing their way into first team contention at the moment so Two questions about squad depth and about who's going to come in to strengthen United in certain positions. Uh, Laurie, you're the person I go to first on stuff like this. Do we know anyone possibly nudging their way forward to play in central midfield? Or is it the answer just Scott McTominay? Well, yeah, I think Scott McTominay is certainly the guy that they probably look at as could he be moulded into that discipline role that, that Matic plays. You know, McTominay's natural game is a bit more explosive, a bit more dynamic. Um, he did do that when he first came in under Jose Mourinho. He, as, as I've written before, he, he was asked to perform a very specific role that was a bit alien to him, given um, his usual predilection for kind of getting up and down the pitch. Um, but certainly he can do it. You know, he's got that physical stature and, and he's, he's got a, a sharp brain, sort of good passing range. Um, so maybe that's where... It, immediately would go from you know Matic is obviously 32 um, United have been in the market for a holding midfielder that was the idea with Jude Bellingham although again he's a bit more of a box-to-box midfielder can play numerous positions but he, he was seen as somebody that could you know have that role in the team um, and I think that United would still be on the lookout for somebody like that just because Matic clearly I know he signed a, a new deal that's um, you know with, with the club for at least another couple of years I don't know if you know that they, they would probably want to have a specialised player in that in that um, mould, given how we've seen Bruno and Pogba play together, and how you do need that kind of insurance policy in midfield. Um, in terms of from the youth setup, there's probably not really a player um, in that mould. Certainly not ready to, to to come into the first team. I mean, I, I really like Dylan Levitt and, and James Garner, but they're both um, probably more you know ideally offensive players. I think James Garner probably is, is more of a sitter, um, but he can score you know great goals from sort of twenty twenty five yards so um, they could both as I've written before there's, there's a piece online if, if, if people want to look at the website on uh, where they might go a bit more information because they might they might get loans um, you know loan deals this this term so which I think they would really benefit from um, so yeah that's kind of how I see that that situation Andy you interviewed Ollie over lockdown uh, do you have any knowledge onto what you think Ollie's looking for in this transfer market yeah just further to what uh, Laurie said um I think Levitt and Garner need to go out on loan to get games at as high a level as possible. That would help their progress. I think the the progress of 
uh, Matic and Fred this season means there's a lot less pressure on making that decision than maybe if we'd been talking in October when Matic appeared to be on the way out. Fred wasn't finding form whatsoever. Now we have a situation where McTominay's back and there's a strong midfield there. I think that the priority lies in other areas and I do think that financially, if United are going to go gung-ho and sign someone like Sancho and the transfer fee that will be involved, then books will need to be balanced. They, they just will be. I know I know what fans are like. They'll be like, we still need two or three more players. And Ollie, Ollie told us that he wanted two or three players. So I don't think it should just stop at, at one uh, top player. But I think the, the, the priority, um, well, from what when I spoke to Ollie, it, it was not in defence. He felt that he'd built successfully from the back. So I think you're looking for the right, first of all. But if, you know, a, a, a top midfielder becomes available, United will weigh up on, on its merit. And then Ollie also wants to keep the door open for emerging talents as well. I mean, let's not forget, it's only December when Mason Greenwood made his his Premier League debut. Things can happen really quickly. And he's on the training ground every day. He's far closer to it than anybody else. And he's conferring with his coaches and he's seeing who, who's decent and who could potentially step up. And there's there's usually someone pre-season who, who, who does come to the fore. We're not going to have a pre-season this year, so it's slightly different. But I'm pretty relaxed about it. I think it was, it was as important, and it, it is as important, to get players like Sanchez uh, off the wage bill and then build from there, bring more, more players in. Uh, I wouldn't be stunned if United didn't bring any midfielders in, but equally wouldn't be stunned if they, if they sign one as well. It's quite the tightrope, so listeners, please do continue to join us on Talk of the Devils as we figure out what's going to happen next. To finish off, I want to talk about one of Andy's tweets because I check on his Twitter account, I think, every three days because he tweets some fantastic stuff. Um, and I see... United We Stand, the summer editions at the printers in colour. Andy, this looks great. Thank you. We've got a new designer and he's good. And we've got a lot of very good writers. So it makes my job much easier to do. Yeah, it's being printed and it will be hitting the streets in newsagents um, on the 10th of August. And we are mailing copies out and you can get digital editions. Out, and there's loads of stuff on there you will not find anywhere else we've got the second part of the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer interviewed as a guide to Cologne not that any travelling fans are going there's a full end of season report on every first team player every youth player uh, every reserve team player we've got people at every single match in, in person and there's 60 pages worth of content and just tell me to stop plugging United where you stand right now but I'm glad <laughs> that you mentioned it because in seriousness we don't have games to sell at and the newsstand distribution's all over the shop you know, we had a problem last week with our biggest distributor in Ireland and we would have basically lost our revenue from them. We would have seen our revenue cut by about 30% and we're a small publication. We just cannot possibly proceed with stuff like that. So we've had a lot of support from people subscribing and ordering issues and we need it, but we're getting it. And it's a tough time for print magazines. been some Q magazine, the big music magazine in the UK, folded last week. Uh, other magazines are really struggling as well but I'm pleased to say we're getting a lot of support and we need it but thank you it will be out August 10th and I'm going to order my copy this week but other than that that's it for this week hopefully we'll be back with Manchester United safely through to the next round of the Europa League although Andy likes to remind us things can happen because football but other than that uh, it's thank you from me thank you from Laurie cheers Carl see you guys and uh, a thank you from Andy as well 
Thanks, Carl. Cheers, Laurie. And uh, thanks to you, listener, for joining us for another episode of Talk of the Devils. We'll be back next week. <laughs>